Chapter Seventeen of the Great Gold Rush: A Tale of the Klondike. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Kathy Barrett. The Great Gold Rush: A Tale of the Klondike by W. H. P. Jarvis. Chapter Seventeen: Dawson. Being in the vanguard of the multitude, whose rush to the diggings in the following year was the outstanding feature of the history of the Klondike, the Dawson that John Berwick and his companions found was that of the winter of ninety-seven, very different from the city of five thousand tents it was to become two months after their arrival. An hour before midnight, when they arrived, Hugh had pointed out a high hill, Dawson's Dome, placed beyond the mouth of the Klondike River, or as it was called before usage corrupted its name, the Throndwick. Little did he or his companions dream of the part this dome was to play in the events yet to be. The dome was to become historic. The main portion of Dawson was built on the north side of the Klondike. It was a scene of much movement and business pack-trains were passing up and down the streets and innumerable dogs seemed everywhere few boats had yet arrived and a group of loafers gathered to watch them land one fellow shouted i'll give you a dollar apiece for any late papers you have now that they were at the klondike capital the natural impulse of the party was to enjoy whatever amusements were available so in spite of their being tired and the hour late they drew the boat upon the gravel shore passing between tents they came to the mire of the main thoroughfare the atmosphere and circumstance of the goldfields were all about them there were pack-horses and pack-mules waiting before the shops men were hurrying in and out with pack-straps on their backs even the dogs wore saddle-bags a good dog being able to pack forty pounds of supplies other dogs passed drawing a cart on which were half a dozen cans oil tins filled with water dispensed at twenty-five cents the tin the festive side of life was more marked than the commercial men in wild attire women in gorgeous raiment were ever passing in and out of the saloons and gambling halls the four adventurers floundered across the mud and entered the hospitable doors of the borealis this was a saloon and dance-hall combined but a roulette-wheel and faro layout invited to play it was the interval between the dances when they entered and a loud voice was calling come along gentlemen pretty ladies here just in over the ice the next dance will be a waltz frank court ever the squire of dames made a dive for the rear of the hall and was soon leading one of the gorgeous creatures into the dizzy whirl the partners from the last dance were crowding the bar ordering drinks as each man paid his two dollars his lady was handed a check this check was redeemable for one dollar the girl's source of revenue the orchestra was good but the male section of the dancers was certainly grotesque many of the men with sombreros on their head and cigars between their teeth were floundering through the dance in a half-intoxicated condition their great hobnailed boots almost drowning the music with their noise the three others soon left frank to his diversions and passed out to the street they saw a policeman with whom in the way of such a free and easy community they fell into talk what's the chance of getting a claim they asked don't know they're having stampedes right along and any time you may hear of good pay being located on a creek when news like this gets out there's a big rush by all classes and you're lucky if you get anywhere near discovery if you want work they're paying ten dollars per day and board on the creeks for shoveling in so i guess you need not starve hugh with his mind on the immediate necessities of the party asked 
where is a good place to locate up on the bench on the north side of the klondike over there the policeman pointed southeast you can get wood handy and the water is good what's the matter with pitching our tent where we landed among the outfit along the waterfront no no they are the soreheads and general kickers you don't want to tie to them most of them have lived in these tents all winter and had nothing to do but dream of what some other fellow has done them out of and how much better things would be if they had struck it rich instead of macdonald or carmack no you fellows pole upstream to-morrow to the klondike and then up that stream half a mile pack your grub to the top of the hill there where you can live like white men that sounds reasonable, but we want to sleep now. Well, go to Flanagan's bunkhouse up the street, and the man pointed up a turning, running at right angles to the main street. He will give you beds at a dollar each. Our boat and things will be all right. Good night, and thanks. When the three visited the boat next morning, they found a man standing on the bank, his legs, encased in rubber boots coming up to his hips, far apart, hands in the pockets of his overhauls, a sombrero on the back of his head hugh noticed the smile of good-natured cynicism on his face as he regarded the boat and said queer ain't it and they say there are thousands more coming yes fifty thousand more coming in and me waiting for a chance to get out i wonder what makes them do it same thing as made me do it didn't you get a chance to stake anything stake anything how long have you been in the country say is that your boat yes well take my tip and just get in it and keep right on going till you strike st michael's for what reason would we do that don't you know they have a government in this country well that's the reason officials and graft stake a claim and they rob you of it no sir no more british mining camps for me i'm for the good old state of washington if this camp was in alaska a fellow could hold down what was his with a shotgun but here you daren't make a break law and order hell grafters appointed by the law and the law to see no fellow interfere with the grafters we'd shoot the whole bunch if we had them on the other side we intend to stake claims and we intend to hold them you do eh well i bet you won't you fellows should have brought your nurse girls with you to teach you the a b c the party was then joined by frank the habitual smile on his face but his eyes were heavy cost me fifty dollars he said you got off easy. Better get in and cook breakfast to wake you up. We haven't eaten yet, and meals uptown cost two dollars and a half. Say, if you fellows want to, you can use my tent and things, but I have no grub to give away. This invitation from the new-found pessimist was accepted, and Frank went to work cooking while their host let loose his opinions on life he told them how the manager of a great trading company had the autumn before addressed the crowd prophesying famine through the winter and exhorting all to leave the place by the only avenue of escape the river then filling with ice it was a dismal picture enough but happily worse than the reality he spoke well of the police and praised the way they had rushed the mail in and out with dog teams and it ain't their fault there is so much grafting they don't graft themselves he told of the fabulous wealth of el dorado bonanza and hunker creeks and of alec macdonald the big moose estimated to be worth twenty-six million dollars he expatiated at length on the irregularities of the gold commissioner's office the iniquitous orders in council from ottawa such as the imposition of ten per cent royalty on the production of the creeks and the reserving to the crown of every alternate claim on dominion creek of all other creeks on which new discoveries might have been made and of the hillside claims frank with his yankee predilections was ready to believe anything bad of canada and chuckled at the account 
john and george though they had had experience of official corruption in australia thought the accounts fantastic and could not believe such things possible in british dominions the gold commissioner is not in the graft he's honest but he's like a baby and the gang play with him as they like breakfast over the party set out and in an hour had poled and tracked the boat half a mile up the klondike they passed under a crude suspension bridge and saw two ferries and innumerable boats plying across the river hugh noticed a break or draw in the cliff marked by a trail that led to the bench on which the party was to locate and stopped the boat get out the axis fellows and frank you pack the tent up the hill it will make you think of what you have done with your last winter's wages john you're the honored guest you're going to boss the job berwick without any load found the climb to the top of the hill sufficiently exhausting as he was not yet fully recovered after frank had thrown down the tent hugh unlashed it and spread it in the sun folded one end to make a pillow and told john to lie upon it and then he addressed his partners look here fellows one thing is certain whatever we do as regards prospecting and taking up claims we want a home camp as a sort of headquarters and we might as well make it here and now we need not bother building a cabin but we can put up a wall of logs the size of the tent and put the tent on top this will do till the fall by which time we will all be millionaires except frank here unless he quits dancing now we'll pack up the rest of the outfit come on boys by four o'clock their new habitation was completed two beds were built and the little stove erected inside the tent frank had an early supper and went to bed the others built a campfire outside to keep away the flies and discussed mining far into the night End of chapter seventeen